the Game Masters for Hire podcast. My name's Clay, and I'll be your usual host. Every week, we discuss different tabletop or live-action role-playing systems, challenge faces of Game Master or player, mechanics, and even just our favourite role-playing systems. I'm joined this week, and for the next two weeks, by Liam, one of my players and a Game Master in their own right. How are you this week, Liam? Not too bad, Clay. How are you going? Yeah, yeah, you know, getting there. So we'll be kicking off the start of our three-part series we talked about last week Mm. on world-building. Firstly, I'd like to discuss the different ways you can build a world and what it means to build a world, because there's a lot of misconceptions there that I want to get out of the way right off the bat. Mm-hmm. We'll deal with that before the break. We'll have our musical interlude, and then after the break, what I'd like to do is run through the kind of things that you need when you're building a small world, a world where you've, you already know what the universe is like. Mm-hmm. For example, you're running a campaign in D&D. And you know that it's going to be set in Neverwinter, so you know how Neverwinter is run. However, you want the players to experience something new, something that they wouldn't come across in a book. So that means you have to develop a setting for them. And what that means, uh, this will tail kind of into the next part, which is where we'll kind of look into perhaps um, just brainstorming a a small scenario for for people Mm -hmm. at home. Just in a, a couple of minutes. So, you cool with that? Sounds excellent. Excellent. So, um, I guess let's kind of start by talking about what world building is. Mm. So, what do you believe world building is? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, for me, what comes to mind is generally uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings and the way that it builds a world through story, mm-hmm. or um, even Martin's uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. does its own world building through story itself yeah and a, a lot of people if you ask them that question will say the exact same thing oh mm. it's this big grandiose thing where i've got to get all the details right or it's not going to work yeah. right but let me give you a, a, an example and let me just put this to rest straight away because world building isn't that Yes, that's yeah. one thing that world building can do. And if heck, if you go on Wikipedia and you look up the article on world building, you'll quite quickly get a lot of examples of that. Let's look at something simple. Tell me about your high school, Liam. Uh, I went to a reasonably low SES high school. Uh, SES meaning? Uh, social economic status. Thank you. Um, several sprawling buildings, each mm-hmm. with a single lane connecting them. Uh, that sort of thing. Cool. And... Would you say that there were different types of people there? You know, it's low socioeconomic, but there were the kids that ha- yeah. were a bit better off. There were definitely the kids that were a bit better yeah, off, definitely. some that weren't so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And where did you fit in? Um, probably in the kids that were a little bit better off, mm-hmm. kids that did a little bit more. Yeah. And you had a group of friends who interacted yeah. with the other groups. And even if you haven't been to this school, I guarantee you everyone who is listening to this right now has a mental image mm. of what this school might be like. Congratulations, you've just engaged in world building. It'd be nice to just say, yep, done and dusted, let's wipe our hands there. Mm. But what we just did was a variant on bottom-up world building. (laughs) Bottom-up world building is where you take a small element of a world and you apply your expansion of that idea to that to come up with a better understanding of what the world is like. Okay. So one way would be a school or Mm -hmm. a person or an individual, a group, um, in, compare Game of Thrones versus The Breakfast Club. Yep. Right? See what I mean? Mm-hmm. One is top-down, mm-hmm. and the other is 
bottom up. So you just mentioned top-down world building. How does that top-down? Top-down world building will be more important in two podcast time when we're talking about building a world from scratch. Top-down mm-hmm. world building is where you go right. I imagine this type of geography or this political scene or mm-hmm. a world where the laws of physics might not apply. Okay. And then from there, you work your way down. You go, mm-hmm. right, what does this mean for economics? What does mm-hmm. this mean for politics? What does this mean for people? So instead of starting with the common denominator of a person, you're looking at the big picture mm-hmm. and working your way down. So micro versus macro, where micro yep. is you're looking at the individual and macro where you're looking at the society. Gotcha. Or bigger than that even, the yeah. universe. Um, if you can cross these two things over, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that in the next podcast, I think. Okay. Because we'll be delving into the realm of anime and quite frankly, that's a headache for another day. Yeah, <laughs> seems fair. Yeah. So bottom up world building. There's a few reasons you would want to start there. And one of the primary reasons I find is, like I said before, you have a world that's Mm pre-existing. It's great for that. You can use it for big world-building exercises, but you'll end up with a different flavour, for want of a better word, a different... uh, Feel? Yeah. Tone? Tone is probably the better word, because it tends to be a lot more personal. Okay. Um, A good example of this in action would perhaps be hmm, take Gurren Lagann for example it's mm-hmm. a quite famous anime series mm-hmm. um, they definitely started bottom up they maybe had an idea of what the world was like but think about how the series started versus how it finished they, they, kind of they started underground from one person's perspective building the world up from there mm-hmm. so let's go back to our school example Mm-hmm. So let's get a little bit more specific. Let's say an individual at the school. Let's, for the sake of just making an example, let's name mm-hmm. him John. Mm-hmm. John goes to that school that we were all talking about earlier. Yep. What is it that motivates John? Now, at this particular level, what we're looking at for this character, which may end up being an NPC in our world we create later, mm-hmm. what are the... I know you studied psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the things that motivate people? It, there are a few theories. One of the prevalent ones is Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm-hmm. where you have the base need of food, water, and shelter, mm-hmm. and it slowly escalates up to psychological awakening or true vision of yourself in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things apply both at a bottom-up level mm-hmm. And a top-down level. So let's going back to John. John requires food. He requires water. He requires shelter. John lives at his parents' house. Mm-hmm. John is thankfully in a first-world country and has access to clean water mm-hmm. by nature of being there. In terms of food, his parents do the best they can, but he, quite frankly, is a little bit malnourished. John is he has this world we're starting to piece together for him. Mm-hmm. And it's not happening from the perspective of politics. It doesn't matter that he is, for any American listeners, let's say his dad's a Republican, or Mm -hmm. for us, his mother's a liberal. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. That stuff doesn't matter yet. It is relevant. Someone's political leanings are relevant, and this is where it differs from Maslow in Mm -hmm. many ways. You want to 
include that as part of the group development and the group dynamic. But at the bottom up level, you don't really need to go into it too much mm-hmm. because characters kind of write themselves into the fabric of the story. Okay. Mm. I think I understand what you mean with that. Cool. So let's say we're creating a setting for someone. Uh, we know we're setting it in... Uh, so pick a system. World of Darkness. Of course. Threes. Yeah. In World of Darkness, you have a world that's pre-existing. And the reason it's pre-existing is because they cheat. Mm-hmm. They did bottom-up world building because it's basically set in our own world. Mm. So, let's say this school is set in the World of Darkness. In World of Darkness, there are all kinds of interesting things going on, from vampires haunting the local townships to... Werewolves in, in the, the wild- bush. Mm. The wilderness. Um, the eccentric professor might be eccentric. Mm. Or he could be a cultist or a uh, thaumaturge or something like that. These are all things that can fall in as part of the everyday experience. And again, this is different from the top-down approach because we don't need to know the geography. We don't Mm -hmm. need to know the location. We don't need to know where or when. Mm -hmm. It's like in Pulp Fiction. No one actually says what year it's set in. We know it's after certain events because of the way people are talking. However, it's very hard to actually pick when it's set. Mm. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, I have, actually. Mm -hmm. So, the same process. If you find yourself building a setting from the bottom up, and you have to ask yourself the question, I wonder if that person would associate with the other person, given their political leanings. You're starting to bridge the gap between bottom and Mm, top. top. Mm -hmm. Mm. Okay. For the most part, with a world that's pre-constructed, as I keep kind of repeating a little bit, you don't need to know that. Yep, makes sense. Hmm. So, let's see about slotting our school into this world. Well, right. so what would you do? Um, I'd probably use that school as the base, mm-hmm. work out some of the teachers there, mm-hmm. possibly the classes that John attends, mm-hmm. um, look at John's friendship group, and then so you're mostly okay so this is where we're going to start to bridge the gap between bottom and top mm. now because if you want to build a world from an uh, individual's perspective it would be going let's start with John and then we go who's John's best friend then we go who's John's immediate friendship group what does John do every day what does he have to do every day mm-hmm. and then work our way up from there because bottom up is perspective dependent Mm-hmm. The place where you're starting from is relevant, which is actually the same as top down. Because if you start top down with here's an interesting political idea, mm-hmm. or you start top down with here's an interesting set of physics problems, like let's say gravity is slightly stronger on in this place, mm-hmm. both things are going to end with different results, don't you think? Yeah, they are. Hmm. So let's bring it back to John. So John goes to school. Mm-hmm. He has a friendship group. That friendship group, if you want to slot this into a game, would be the other players, mm-hmm. most probably. That would be the easiest way to do it. Yep, definitely. Great. So then from the bottom-up approach, they're forced to go through the daily tribulations of school, classes, mm-hmm. studying, the one guy who continually picks on them, the nerdy kids who annoy them, mm-hmm. all the way through to teachers that dislike them or they think dislike them more to the point Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually matter what the truth is with bottom-up design yeah it's messy 
it's dirty. It doesn't have necessarily right or wrong answers. Mm-hmm. And the other advantage from a storyteller's perspective or from a game master's perspective is it doesn't matter if it's the truth or not. You get to decide what the truth is in a bottom-up world. Mm-hmm. There are certain truths that will stick, like these are the game rules. Because mm-hmm. we need to have things comply to that. Yeah. Or there are set things in the law that we don't necessarily want, but we should keep for the sake of shorthand and convenience. Yep. They're the big advantages with doing things mm-hmm. from the bottom up. Cool. So I guess it's over to you now. What do you think? In terms of advantages of bottom up, or. What do you think about this as an approach? As an approach, I can certainly see the benefits of it. it Particularly for a new GM, mm-hmm. it means they can start with possibly something they know, like you said, a school, even a workplace, mm-hmm. where a group of people come together. A bar. A bar, a bar. yeah. Um, gee, the number of anime series that start with the chess club actually mm. burns my brain. Yep, that's true. There's only so many ways you can actually start mm. a story. And that's kind of noticeable in kind of our oral tradition, in our story tradition. There are only so many ways that people are expected to begin talking about something. Yeah. And top-down and bottom-up design features in both. Mm -hmm. In one form. Yeah. Cool. So what we'll do, I think we'll cut to um, our today's music, which is Oh No by Yeah Don't Care. And then after that... We will um, have a look at actually running a small scenario together. Excellent. And, um, you know, maybe we'll even inflict it upon some players and uh, give a report next week. That would be amusing. Yeah, great. Okay, so over to Oh No by Yeah Don't Care.
welcome back. Again, that was Own Yeah Oh No by Yeah Don't Care. So we had a little bit of a chat during that. Yeah. And there was something important you brought up. Mm. It was the you said it quite well, it's the ability to control variables within this stunning system. Mm. It's with new GMs, I know I felt this in particular, I was really panicky about oh no, I have to design all of these things for my games. Mm-hmm. But with bottom-up ways of doing things, you don't have to. You just have to take a very small segment mm-hmm. and say, hey, let's work with this. What is this like? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it takes the, the scare factor, the terror factor of, oh no, what if my players do this? Or what if my mm. players do that? And it conveniently moves it to the side so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, it becomes much more manageable. Mm. And it's also why I think um, D&D um, game um, and event manuals are so popular because mm. it's like, here is a thing and you will do this. Yeah. But the downside of that is that if the players go, Temple of Elemental Evil, that sounds like a bad place. Let's... Not, Not go there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah you're stuck. Yeah. Good, good luck dealing with that. So they're just going to wander off and do their own thing. Yeah. It makes it a bit more... It forces the game master to be more flexible, mm. which is not necessarily what you want as a first-time GM. Also, with bottom-up, it's really easy to inflict a plot upon mm. a group. Because with school, um, let's say one of the teachers starts acting weird and starts getting them to copy down these strange runes mm. as part of their uh, part of their daily class activities. i tell you what, the players are going to sink their teeth into that pretty yeah. early on and try and work out either A, what's going on, or B, how to get out of that. Yep. There's only so many options, really, when you go bottom, bottom up. If you're looking top down, on the other hand, it's like anything could happen. Yep. What? What politician could they go to? What group could they align with? Whereas bottom up, it's more like it's personal. Yeah, it's it's a personal story. Cool. So let's tie this in now. Let's <laughs> try and um, make this into a bottom up scenario. Just to give an, an example, I'll tell you what. I'll get you to lead on this one, and I'll interrupt where I think necessary. Yep. Okay. Cool. So. so... Let's keep using our school example. Okay. We'll keep using the school and John, Mm -hmm. as we've established them. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's assume that John is a central NPC. Yeah. Um, John will probably be going to various classes, say Mm -hmm. math class. Um, And there's a small change. Maybe they get a substitute teacher coming in more and more often as as both his and the party's regular teacher is presumed sick. Mm-hmm. more and more this teacher takes over the class and perhaps the troublesome kids are suddenly less so after one or two detentions with him. Mm-hmm. Maybe something small happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe John himself is taken to one of these detentions and the player characters suddenly notice that he's a little bit less friendly with them. Mm. Okay, so you start there and you've got the players, they've got an immediate reason to want to act. Mm. They've also got reasons why they don't want to act. You're pulling at an emotional side of what it is they want to do. Everyone, I think, can relate to a friend in trouble. It's Mm. an old trope, really. Yeah. Um, 
and I think everyone can also, or everyone who was um, publicly schooled, can relate to the um, the teacher that is slowly but surely replaced by a substitute. I think we've yeah. all been there at some point or another. And then, due to the nature of the bottom-up world you've got, you can get that to twist in whatever way you want. Mm-hmm. One of the fun things I like to do with this type of little creation is one of two ways. Either A, you take the obvious route and you mm-hmm. go a lot darker than the players were ever expecting to mm-hmm. happen. So the teacher, for example, um, let's say they are some... Because, let's face it, high school kids are going to have no methodology of working out what a supernatural creature is or isn't. No. It is some kind of being that is repeatedly um, capturing that teacher, torturing them, Mm -hmm. um, using their illness to get more into the school to use for its own nefarious ends. Mm. Alternatively... The option B, which is far more fun in many respects, is to build it up and leave all these red herrings about it Mm. being a big conspiracy or problem and have it become more and more suspicious. Mm. The players not being able to work out what's going on and it turns out to be relatively mundane the entire time. Or if Mm. it is not mundane, be within the realms of normality Mm. so that players are left with a moral choice or quandary about what they actually do. Mm. They may discover that uh, blood magic is real, but they that has no correlation to what is actually no. going on. It's, it's just, guess what? You've learnt more about the world that you're in. Mm. Mm. Cool. So where from there? Um, like we pointed out, there's two possible routes. If it was a teacher, mm-hmm. I would personally prefer the red herring route. Mm-hmm. Something that leads leads your players along for a little bit, but eventually they go, oh, this is something relatively minor. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe this the previous teacher was legitimately sick. Or maybe this incoming teacher is attempting to sway the school in some way. Mm-hmm. Or sway the students. So, while I will admit we're most probably influenced by the media we consume, there's a really famous author that springs to mind that used these particular methods over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you read her work mm-hmm. whilst you were in school or watched the movies made on her books. I feel like this is Harry Potter. This is Harry Potter. Mm. Guess what? We've just made World of Darkness Harry Potter. We have. Mm. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter because we're even though the same kind of tropes are there, yeah. a school, supernatural occurrences, um, some kind of strange things going on, it doesn't matter. You've got a coherent story. The mm. players have got something to sink their teeth into. And it's not on the nose either. Mm. It's not going to feel forced. Yeah. It's going to feel natural. And that's one of the good things about bottom-up storytelling. You can use your experiences or assumed experiences yeah. or experiences you've just read about. And all of a sudden, you've got a world that can be played with. Manipulated. And funny. Yeah, absolutely. And you as a person, you and I literally... I mean, if you anyone wants to catch the um, behind-the-scenes footage later on, mm. can notice that we spent maybe 20 minutes just talking about this. It's yeah. no, no different to what you're hearing right now. Yeah. And you can grab a hold of these ideas and just run with them. Mm. When we get to the one on top down, you can't do that. Mm. And now let's talk about the problems with bottom-up mm-hmm. design. You, it, by its very nature, 
it's very hard using this system to talk about things that the at an individual level you don't have much experience with because mm-hmm. ramifications of actions become really hard to calculate at this level yep. because you're immediately engaging in top-down. Also, because you're building up towards those things, that is not how the natural progression of politics works or mm-hmm. sociology for that matter. Politics, whilst made up of individuals, mm-hmm. is ultimately a group activity. I mean, yep. you can disagree. People have different political opinions. I'm not here to talk about that. But ultimately, your actions are influenced by your political environment, your social yep. environment. Um, environmental factors will always change a person. Now, you mentioned just the ramifications. Could you go into a bit more detail? So as specifically? To, um, I believe you mentioned how it's difficult for players to effectively gauge the ramifications of their actions. Do you mean that in a wider uh, political and social sense? Or do you mean that in a more personal sense between them and their friendship circle, perhaps? Okay. So there's a game that deals with this very, very well. And a lot of people will bash it a little bit for being a walking simulator, if you're familiar with that term. Yeah. Um, a, a game where you don't really do too much, which is uh, Life is Strange. Mm-hmm. Life is Strange is interesting because it's a it uses both of these things. It has a fantastically complex world and now I'm going to avoid all spoilers as much as I can however there is a character in the game who is an antagonist who causes severe harm and distress for another character that isn't Mm -hmm. you although it has a good shot at yourself as well however whilst that person is definitely an antagonist they're not evil Mm -hmm. they just don't understand the ramifications of their actions And when you're in a political group, when you're in a society, when you believe you have to act in a certain way, it's impossible to always tell the outcomes of what it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. The teacher you confide in because you like them might have coffee every single morning with the teacher that you hate. Uh, They might be close friends and you would never know because you don't know what happens in a staff room. Equally, that kid that you pick on in the playground might genuinely have um, emotional or mental, um, I don't want to say problems, but they might disorders. have disorders that are affecting their behaviour and you're simply compounding that. Yep. You are never completely aware of the outcomes. Mm-hmm. And that is both a strength and a weakness of this mm-hmm. system. Uh, someone described it to me as, you're driving down the highway and in front of you, as you're going down the highway, there is a car travelling say, 10 kilometres an hour under the speed limit. Traffic's busy, so you can't get past them. And they're annoying you. Mm -hmm. Because they're going so slow. So, from your perspective, that person is a pain. They're annoying you. They're causing all these issues. Little do you know, but from a greater perspective, from their bottom-up perspective, Mm -hmm. they had a friend who died in a car accident. They're worried about driving on the highway. They're doing their best they can. They're nervous and anxious about the fact that they're driving. Mm-hmm. Perspective and the implications of perspective can suffer with a bottom-up approach, mm-hmm. with a top-down approach, because you're looking at, you're starting at big ideas, big issues, big problems, then making them more and more personal. Mm-hmm. It's easier to switch perspectives than it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Mm. Yeah, so the psychological needs of your players as individuals, Mm -hmm. 
uh, really important in bottom-up. Yep. Mm. In top-down, it's still important, but the framework in which that exists is different. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Mm. Cool. Well, that got pretty heavy there for a moment, yeah. didn't it? Mm. All right. So we've got a school. We've got this setting. Mm-hmm. You, do you, you don't really need much in the way of notes at this point. You just go write a few par- short paragraphs about the individuals at the school, notable mm-hmm. NPCs, uh, potential encounters with different denizens of the place, mm. different teachers and what they're like. Descriptions, yeah, basically. And whilst I do want to do a, um episode on just straight winging it, mm-hmm. we might save that for after the DM, GM basics. Yeah which is going to be suitably after world building. What to mm-hmm. do after you've built your world. Mm-hmm. We'll cover that off after that one, I think. Yeah, seems reasonable. Mm. Because in all world building, ultimately, you can't think of everything mm-hmm. as much as you would like to. And eventually, someone will point something out where you just go, hmm, good point. Or the Death Star exhaust port moment, as I like to call it. Mm. Yeah, Awesome. So... I think we'll leave it there for the moment because this is all going to tie in nicely into our next episode. Mm-hmm. All right, so over to you. Thanks. Uh, we can be contacted via email at gmsforhire at gmail.com. The link will be attached to the description of the show. Today's music was Oh No by Yeah Don't Care. You can also find their Unearthed profile in the description. Today's game quote from Arthur Bell. I know how strong its legs are, but what about its sphincter?